0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the late morning program with Nam Ross, the number one Hari Krishna podcast in the world. I am super excited and honored to introduce uh, Garuda Prabhu here with us. Garuda Prabhu, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, This is episode number 45, uh, entitled Reconciling uh, Controversial Statements in Srila Prabhupada's Books. Although we're going to discuss that, I'd also like to discuss uh, your personal journey in in spirituality and Krishna consciousness. So thank you so much for for joining me.
1: It's a pleasure and an honor, Namrassaji
0: thank you thank you so much please please uh, let us know first um how did you come in contact with uh, krishna consciousness we can start there
1: well my gosh what a story okay i'll give you the short version okay if okay. you want me to elaborate i can yes well basically at age 13 my parents put me in a private high school i grew up in the washington dc area my both my parents are very cultured They loved music and poetry and literature of all kinds. And my father was an MD, a psychiatrist and a psychoanalyst. And my mother, a fine artist and a poet and a writer and so on. So I grew up with this constantly around the house. But I just felt something extra was missing. And I was always wondering about the big questions, you know. Mm. So I was put in this high school and I went to summer school to get ahead got a little head start the headmaster invited me to this course on linguistics now what 13 year old knows what linguistics is a lot of adults don't even know what linguistics is right and so i soon enough learned what it's about you know it's it's about the the the, the structure of different languages the history the derivations blah 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 you know We were doing Hittite and Arabic and Hebrew. And so then he switched to South Asia and suddenly started talking about Sanskrit. Hmm. Inexplicably, my ears kind of raised and, and then he started talking about the Vedas and yoga texts. And I just, it was almost a kind of a, sudden awakening of some kind. I, it's inexplicable, namrasji I, uh, I don't know what to say. Because ever since that time, at age 13, I read, you know, voraciously in uh, Eastern uh, texts, in literature, literature, and, and I sought out yoga uh, centers in Washington, D.C. And back then, you know, in the mid-60s, immigration laws lifted for Indians. Right. And so all the teachers started coming over, including mm. Prabhupada. But I went through a process of going through many t- different teachers before I found Prabhupada. Oh, wow. So um, I was so serious about practicing yoga, Namrasaji, that at age 15, I go to my parents and I ask them permission to drop out of high school. Oh, my gosh. That's what they said. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. I mean, here's a very educated family that believes in education, right? And so on, supports it and so on. And, but they also believed in me. And they said, well, but Graham, what will you do all day? I said, I'll be reading yoga philosophy and I'll be practicing yoga. Wow. They kind of looked at each other. Okay. You know, okay. Really? Okay. Wow, that's okay. huge. I dropped out. They did say, what about college? I said, if college is supposed to happen, it will happen. Wow. That's the faith. I, I thought this was so much my path. Right. So I dropped out of high school and I found that a year later, I felt like I needed formal training in philosophy and Sanskrit. So I applied to Johns Hopkins University. I got everything in. Johns Hopkins wrote me back. And of course, everything was snail mail back then. Yeah. A few days later, they said, uh, Mr. Schweig, we've gotten all of your materials, but we don't have your high school diploma. Please send it along. I wrote back saying, I don't have a high school diploma. Oh. They said, this is Johns Hopkins University. <laughs> <laughs> we don't you know, we don't know what no high school diploma means, okay? So they said, um, get a high school diploma, maybe take a GED. Well, back then, I never heard of a GED. Back then, GEDs were not known. So I looked into GED, and it turned out in Washington, D.C., you had to be 19 and a half to take the GED. So I couldn't even – I said, I'm not going to wait three and a half years to apply. I want to go now, you know? Yeah. So they said, "Look, we don't know. We don't care how you get a a, a high school diploma. Just get one." So I took them very seriously, <laughs> and this is not. This is so accurate. This is not hyperbole. I was loosely associated with a a, um, a kind of hippie uh, free school after I dropped out, but I kind of was turned off to them because. You know, the, the group would get together and read Hegel and pass around, you know, marijuana. Mm. Later, I found out that actually it's probably eas- easier to read Hegel on on <laughs> on, Do- on Do- but, but that's another story. Um, but but you know, I just didn't like the 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 all the drugs and stuff. I was a a, a practicing yogi.
0: Yeah.
1: So I went to the headmaster. And I said, Joel, I said, do you guys give out high school diplomas? I mean, you know, would you be willing to? He said, sure. And he took a pad of spiral bound paper, turned it on its side, pushed it toward me on the table. He said, draw one and I'll sign it. I said, you're (laughs) kidding me, right? He said, no. I said, "We, we are a registered entity. We're actually, you know, a corporation. It was called New Educational Project back then. And uh, I drew one. This is to certify that Graham M. Schweig, you know, is a graduate of the New Educational Project, Inc. Um, and I, 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 I put a place for Joel's name. And then he said, that looks pretty good. He said, put another line for a witness. I said, well, who's, I, I can't be my a witness of, of me.
0: Right.
1: He said, well, there's Fred upstairs. Fred? Who's Fred. <laughs> and he called fred come on down and we heard nothing and he called again and again and finally we heard you know mm, right he was i don't know what this guy was on <laughs> he comes stumbling down the stairs and he signs my diploma wow i send the i don't know what i was on i i was a yogi practicing yogi but i I acted like I was on drugs because I actually sent that thing in.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: So, you know, usually you hear from universities in March, whether you got in, maybe April. But June is already, May is already too late, right? In the middle of June, I get a letter saying, congratulations, you've been admitted to Johns Hopkins. Amazing. Amazing. I had my mother read it because I thought maybe I'm too much in the clouds, you know. Right. So I went. So all the university students that I teach have a diploma I don't have. Wow! They can never believe it. That's I strange. I admit to them I, I I confess that I'm a high school dropout and uh, I don't know. You may want to drop the course. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I was then. Um, you know, very seriously practicing uh, yoga in those days, and then when I was eighteen, I went to India for the first time with five other friends. They were kind of into other things, you know. Yeah, I won't mention other teachers, gurus, paths, but I've been reading many versions of the Bhagavad Gita, and I said, "This is my." path. The Bhagavad Gita is my path. So in fact, I still have some of those previous versions I read up on my mm-hmm. shelf for comparative purposes. But um, I went to India and i it turns out that I actually lost all five friends. That's a long story, which I won't get into. So there I am on my own in New Delhi, wanting to take, I wanted, I felt I had to go to Vrindavan. So there I am in the summer going on a train from Delhi to Mathura, And the train was so crowded, I didn't have to hold on to anything. It was so crowded. I think I was in third class non-AC, but um, it was so crowded. And and by the way, back then I was in my thin state. This is my fat stage. I was so thin. When I turned to the side, you could barely see me. I mean, I was really thin. Okay, right. uh, I I weighed actually 108, and so I um, that's how I got that's why I didn't get drafted. But anyway, oh wow! So I I, I speak to someone who's basically you know holding me up. I said, uh, sir, are you do you speak English? He said, yes, I speak English. I said, is it always so crowded on this train? He said, no, this is. Janmashtami Eve
0: oh my gosh
1: I'm sorry I'm not familiar Right, I didn't know what that meant he said this is the holiest day of the year we are all traveling to Vrindavan to celebrate Krishna's birth I said wow wow fantastic I took it as special at the time so this is my first trip to Vrindavan Anjan Mashtami, with my friends lost, and there I am alone at age. At this point, I'm 19. My birthday had had occurred, so I'm 19 at this point, and I'm traveling to Vrindavan. Anyway, I got tangled up with a yogi in Vrindavan, traveled with him for about a month and a half after that, going through sunstroke and just being exhausted and so on, many stories, which we're skipping now, okay? Right. So skip forward, I come back to the U.S. I realize that three blocks down from where I'm living is a Krishna temple. Three blocks, you know? I mean, I was living on Reed Street, and they were on Cathedral Avenue by the Washington Monument in Baltimore.
2: Mm.
1: So I decided to walk down there. Now, I have to tell you, while I was in Vrindavan, I had extremely long hair, and a very long beard. Okay, mm. the guru, to whom I was sort of connected, tethered at the time, told me he will initiate me if I shave it all off. I said, "This is once in a lifetime. I, of course, I'm going to do that. Yeah. You know, who cares about hair? You know." And I said, "But you want the the little the little ponytail, right?" Because I knew that. He <sighs> said, "It doesn't matter." Well, that disturbed me that it didn't matter. I right. said that I am devotee of Krishna. He said he understood. So I'm in Vrindavan, with avalanches of hair falling. I mean, you can imagine the crowd gathering. First of all, there are no white people from the West in Vrindavan <laughs> in '72.
0: Right, right. Come Wait, up. can I just say something? Yeah. You, you already, you already identified as a devotee
1: of Krishna at this point. Oh yes. Oh, because of Bhagavad Gita. Oh yeah, I mean oh, Bhagavad, because Gita. Of Bhagavad Gita.
0: Got it. This got it. was
1: okay. already my, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Okay. I was already convinced, and but and and you know, even though I had Prabhupada's Gita on my shelf, I hadn't read it yet. That's the funny thing. I hadn't mm. read it yet. My sister was actually the one who got the book, distributed to her, and she came up and she gave she uh, saw me once at that time back in the day, and she said, "Look, I'm not into this stuff. I know you are. So here, right." <laughs> so that's how I got probably i still have that original gita
0: oh wonderful so, so you were saying about the hair
1: so the hair so i'm getting you know i mean there are no fewer than 50 people below you know on the street watching this drama of avalanches of long hair falling to the right and yeah. then this barber you know took out you know the, this you know the the, the blade you know yes. and yeah. that yeah. scared me i mean no one spoke english so i you know i'm like trusting this guy like you know Right, right by the neck, right, and it's all water. There's no soap, you know. It's just oh water. <laughs> they did not care about you know. So they're doing my whole head, and I told I told them to leave a sheikah, okay? Wow, I didn't know the word sheikah at that time though. Anyway, I came back to the states, and I show up looking like this. Yeah. So the devotee young lady opens the door. Um. Says, "Oh, Hari Bol." And I go, hi. And uh, she said, what temple are you from, Prabhu? And I sort of am looking around thinking, well, I, the temple, well, I was uh, around a lot of temples. um, And she she said, where was that? And I said, Vrindavan. She said, oh, new Vrindavan. (laughs) I said, "Um, I, I know of a new Delhi, but I don't know of a new Vrindavan. Right? Could we be talking about the same place? She said, "Vrindavan, Vrindavan." I said, uh, "In India, in India, yes." She said, "Oh my God, let me get the temple president." So the <laughs> president comes, and you know, uh, and so the rest is history. I mean, wow. I, I while well, my last year at Johns Hopkins, I would run down in the middle of the night to go to Mungalarti, to this small temple in an apartment brownstone on Cathedral Avenue. And and that's where it continued. Um, then I quit college. After three years, I I dropped out. I did a lot of dropping out. But Namrataji, you need to understand something about me. Every drop out is a drop in. Mm. Okay, All right. Okay. So I dropped out of high school, but I'm dropping in to yoga in the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. I dropped, you know, into the college, and then I dropped out to joined the ashram in Washington, D.C. Wow. And the old Damodar was there, original right. Damodar from 26 Second Avenue. Oh, and holy. Washington, D.C. was uh, where I really sort of grew in uh, devotional service. So
0: Right. And then, and then when did you meet Srila Prabhupada? Because I saw there's a, you were on a morning walk or something. There's a picture of you with Srila Prabhupada. You are so like, you're like a really young kid in that, yeah. in that picture.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I was about three or four uh, <laughs> Mentally, uh, emotionally, that was my emotional age. But right. yeah, I was uh, probably—I think probably tw- uh, 20, 21. twenty-one. I'm not oh, sure, okay. but that's in Mayapur.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: Yeah, I went. I went on many morning walks with Prabhupada in Mayapur, and um, and other places as well. But I first saw Prabhupada. Didn't you know? Didn't wasn't able to get too close to him um, in Henry Street in New York. Oh, okay. And that's and we we drove a bunch of us from the Temple, Baltimore Temple, we drove all night to be at the Henry Street Temple in time for Mangalarti. Now, back then, you know, we were young and foolish, so we were driving all night, you know, (laughs) just so excited to see Prabhupada, we were awake, and we were talking about Krishna Leela and different things, right? So, uh, now remember, back then, we didn't have a lot of books, Okay. Yeah, I mean, we had Krishna Book, we had uh, you know Bhagavad Gita, the long version had just come out, mm. the seventy-two Macmillan had just come out, right, right. But yeah, Tell that's us, where I first saw Prabhupada. Yeah,
0: right. Tell us a little but bit about um, your like academic, like after you, I guess after you became a grahasta and things like that. Then you, then as you got older, you you got in, into more academic arena, right?
1: Yes. Well, I happened to be. Um, in the Washington Temple, uh, Rupanuga Prabhu was the GBC. He was a sannyasin at that time. Um, but he was involved with the formation of the Bhaktivedanta Institute. Okay. I got kicked out of the Washington, D.C. Temple by not Dominar. Dominar had left and there was a new temple president. I got kicked out. Because I refused to distribute books by cheating people. Mm. There was a devotee who went around training people from LA how to do the change up. Right, right. And everyone was so excited about it. I said, No, I'm sorry. This will come back to kick us, you know. <laughs> and I said, And I'm not, I'm not raised to be that way this is not what i'm raised to do i'm i'm raised with great good ethics yeah and this is just against me i'm not going to do it so you know what they back then temples used to trade devotees you know
0: <laughs> like baseball like, players or something like
1: slavery you know it's like okay <laughs> you know like look i have one slave that you know i think but well, let <laughs> me see how muscular your slave is and <laughs> you know, the different oh gosh yeah so that's the way things used to be done you right, know right right so we were traded, my wife and I were traded to go wow. to um, uh, Philadelphia, where Ravindra Swarup was. Right now, th- by this time, I'm already twice initiated and so on. But so we're there, there in uh, with in 1975 at uh, Woodlawn Street. It's not where it is now, but it's uh, mm-hmm. the temple before then on Woodlawn Street where Prabhupada came. And, and Ravindra Sarup was trying to finish his PhD. You know, all these devotees came with PhDs, or not all these, a few. Sarup Damodar was finishing his PhD. Um, Sadaputta, I believe, finished his PhD already. Madhava had finished his PhD um, from Georgetown, um, right. uh, 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 Sadaputta from Cornell. And Sarup from Temple University. So it, it was understood that Prabhupada wanted an educational force, particularly with science. Right. But it was there was some talk about forming a Bhagavata college in Mayapur. So Ravindra Sarup was going to be in charge of that once he finished his doctorate. So he said, why don't you finish your BA and, and then come and be my first student at the Bogwood College. Yeah. I said, wow, okay, you know, what the heck? Okay, so I found myself dropping back into college to finish my BA at American University. I did not return to Johns Hopkins. Didn't mm-hmm. have what I wanted. There were professors at American that were right in the field of bhakti, right? Right in the field of the Bhagavad Gita. That's what I wanted. Mm. So miraculously, I finished my year. While I was finishing my year, Prabhupada or someone canceled the whole idea of a Mayapur Bhagwat College. Right, right. I've never gotten that history straight. Why during 1975, the miraculous production of the Citanachartha Rita was happening? One volume came out every two weeks. It was a miracle. So I lived across the street in the ashram. See, back then, everyone lived in the temples. Right. You you did not live outside the temple. If you lived outside the temple, you were like not even a third-class citizen. You were like a 10th-class citizen if you were even recognized at all, right? So everyone lived in temples back then. So we lived in the ashram across the street. And there was a, a devotee friend of mine. He and I would, you know, see to it that our ashrams, our individual ashrams were settled. But then we would sneak out at night at 9.30 in the hallway while everyone was asleep. And we would read every volume of the CC that was coming out. Sometimes we were so glued to it, we couldn't discipline ourselves to get off. We would say, look, when it comes to 10.30, we're going to stop. Well, there were nights where we went to 11, 11.30, 12.00. And mm-hmm. then we'd be up, you know, at three thirty for Manglarty. Wow! So these were the old days, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. this was so exciting. And then finally, you know, I read the chapter, Adi Lila chapter seven, where Mahaprabhu Goranga takes sannyas to convince the intellectual portion of society. Right. And I said, my gosh. Here I am in the middle of finishing my BA, which now is no longer useful for Mayapur. Okay, so that was pulled out. But you know what? And then there's the Bhaktivedanta Institute that Prabhupada is forming. There's Bhaktis Rupdamadar, Revenger is part of that, and and Rupanuga. And I decided, what the heck? Let me see what... So I said, the PhD is the dunda of the age, right. not Sinyas. <laughs> yes and that's my realization i got so excited i said let me apply to university of pennsylvania and university of chicago the two best south asian programs in the country right and i was so nervous about it you know what i you know what my statement of purpose said Namrassa? it opens up saying i am an initiated devotee <laughs> of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness known as the Hare Krishna movement. In the first line, I figured, you know what? They don't accept that. I don't accept them. Those (laughs) Ivy League, you know, prestigious nobodies. Little fanatical. Little fanatical, right? (laughs) But I just needed to know I would be accepted. Otherwise, I'm not going to go there, you know? Well, little did I know they both accepted me. They offered me scholarships. They offered me right into the doctoral program, not even accepting me for the master's and then at which point to reapply. No, right into the doctoral program. Honestly, Nam at the time, I did not appreciate what what I got offered then. Yeah, I mean, huge. So there I am on the way off to University of Chicago doctoral program. This is where Edward Dimock is. Well, guess who wrote the forward? To the Bhagavad Gita. Right. Edward Dimock. So there I am, you know, in class with the fellow that wrote the forward that Prabhupada so appreciated. Mm. Which I am guilty for having it removed. Really? Oh, that's a story. Oh yeah. Now, that relates to the book, the history of the books and so on.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: But that's that's quite a I'm part. Largely responsible for convincing that the BBT to remove that forward, and that's another story. I'm but noting it yeah. down just so when we do go yeah. into the yeah. book changes, yeah. I can. Yeah. Yeah. About you that. may have to stay on me for that one, right? Okay, <laughs> So we'll have to talk about that. But <laughs> so then I'm at the University of Chicago. I go there with cleanly shaven head, corta, tilak. I didn't wear. A dhoti. I felt that was a little, I don't know, just a little much. I went in pajama, you know? Right, right. So I'm going through, halfway through the, my first year there. Rupanuga calls me up and said, Garuda, I don't think any devotee is ever going to do this. So you need to go to a name recognition. I said, University of Chicago is one of the top 10 schools of the country. Yeah. He said, but... The populace doesn't know University of Chicago. You have to go to Harvard. (laughs) I said, I just got into the doctoral program at university, and now you want me to apply to Harvard. He said, just get some degree from Harvard, you know? So I apply, and I get in. So I drop out. So here we go again. (laughs) There's Garuda, dropping out (laughs) and dropping into Harvard. Wow. At the master's degree level. Okay. 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 Then I finished my master's degree and go back to the University of Chicago to complete my doctorate. But then the Matsya project, the famous Matsya project back then, the BBT uh, with um, Gopi Puranadana and um, uh, Vidyananda and uh, um, a few other devotees. Convinced me that I should lead the way into a Smithsonian funded grant that would allow us to go to India and microfilm handwritten palm leaf manuscripts. Wow. Lo and behold, we got $150,000 back then. Do you know how much money that is now? That would be like $500,000. Wow. That's a lot of money. So suddenly, I'm leaving the University of Chicago to head up the, pro, the, the the research in India for the Smithsonian. And when I'm over there for a year, toward the end of my uh, work in India, I realized I couldn't return to the University of Chicago because of politics. So I called up Harvard, and I said, is there – this is during the summer, already applications, everyone's on vacation – I call up my old professor at Harvard. I say, is there any way you can let me back into Harvard? Even as a special student, just taking courses for credit. He right. said, no, we'd be delighted to have you back. We'll form a special admissions committee to review your application. Wow. I never even got that much attention from my mother. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, my mother was a wonderful lady and, and I, uh, I had a wonderful experience being raised by my mother, but this was this was far and above. I mean, my God. Wow. And they admitted me into a third master's degree program. That's why I have three master's degrees.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: I keep trying to sell one or two of them, you know, uh, <laughs> on eBay or, uh, you know, uh, Facebook Marketplace or something like that. But uh, right. anyway... But that's why I have an advanced master's degree, which you can only get after you have ministerial degrees. And you could get credit if I got into the doctoral program. I could apply all that to the doctoral program, which is what ended up happening. So I got my doctorate from Harvard in comparative religion with a specialization in, um, you know, Krishna Bhakti studies, yoga philosophy, uh, philosophical hermeneutics. and wow. psychology of religion, amazing.
0: Yeah, that's that's really amazing. I, I think that is a really good foundation for setting this conversation up. Uh, that you can kind of um, speak also from the academic side about uh, different things that we're going to discuss. But let's let's get into what the title of this podcast was about. With a lot of devotees, were interested in this because I think a lot of devotees struggle with this. To be honest, yeah, a lot of the controversial statements Srila Prabhupada uh has mentioned in his books or that he's just commenting on so um i think the the first thing maybe we can talk about is the, uh, which which a lot of devotees kind of you know, bring to my attention is that in the Bhagavad Gita, in the in the second chapter, I believe it is there is this there is this idea or the the statement of, of women being less intelligent. So, can you kind of give your um, experience with this uh, statement, how you've processed it, and how you explain it to people, or whatever you want to you know, however you you know process it, I Guess we can we start there.
1: Sure. I need to preface my remarks. First of all, I can solve that problem right here and now. I mean, really, this is this has gone on too long, and right. devotees have suffered with this for such a long time. Um, but first, I want to preface my solution to an understanding of this, you know, difficult um, issue, by explaining that we devotees have an option of approaching our philosophy with um, a tamasa view or a rajasa view or a sattvika view. This is explained in the Bhagavad Gita. I won't go into, you know, particulars right now because we have a limited amount of time, but a tamasa view is A very narrow view. A Rajasa view is is open, is more open minded. Narrow minded, open minded, and Sattvika is broad minded, to use Mm -hmm. Prabhupada's term. Okay? Right. Um, Now, many devotees will take a statement that Prabhupada makes and will not consider context or other similar or related statements. That would be Tamasa. Understanding. When trying to take a statement with, and tr- take it with other statements that Prabhupada has made, that would be more, there's more light now. Okay, that's light. Tamasa means dark. Rajasa means there's some light now coming through, right? It's very good. Right. Sattvaka understanding takes a statement that has been made and understands it in the in light of the totality. Of our philosophy right okay and it's very beautiful that it's very beautiful up there if we can help each other get there okay yes now Prabhupada and scripture will talk about you know uh, women and women in their positions Vedic society and so on and so forth and women being less intelligent even he was I think he's even joked a little bit about it and so on and so forth well let me explain this. That when Prabhupada makes the, the assertion uh, women are less intelligent than men, this cannot stand alone without the reverse corollary. First of all, let me let me let me explain what is being said in light of the you know, seeking a satvika understanding. Women are less intelligent than men in the ways that men tend to be intelligent. But the necessary corollary to that is men are less intelligent than women in the ways that women tend to be intelligent. Now, I was sitting there once with my dear sister Vishaka Devi Dasi. Who was asking me, how do you understand this? And I said, Look, Vishaka, it's really easy. One of the several qualities of the feminine that is provided by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita is Medha, which means intelligence. Hmm. So, how is it that suddenly women are stupid when they're intelligent, according to the Gita? Medha means intelligent. But you see, Buddhi. Is a little different than Medha. And I say, I describe that Medha means intelligent in a certain kind of way. And Buddhi means intelligent in a certain other kind of way. So women have a different kind of intelligence. And we can see this. This is not, you know, um, it's sort of counterintuitive. Uh, why is it that women? really know how to take care of children better than men. I mean, that's a generalization. Right. But we can see that that's the case. Look at primary education. Mostly women educate the children. Yes. Okay. Um, Women have a, a special intelligence. And now in modern Western women's studies, it shows that women have their own kind of intelligence. But men have their own kind of intelligence. Look, my son got his doctorate in mathematics from Cornell. Oh, wow. Mostly there were men. But there was one woman. It doesn't mean that a woman can't take up the intelligent tasks of a man and vice versa. Right. My fifth grade teacher was a man. Where most, you know, teachers in my primary school were were women. So we're making generalizations here. Women. This is why it takes a woman and a man to raise a little baby human. Have you seen those baby humans, the little, little chumps? You know, baby humans. Right? <laughs> I think you have one or two of them. I over have there, two. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. It takes a man, ideally, a woman's intelligence and a man and man's intelligence to raise a human, mm. and they each are endowed with a special intelligence medha for a woman buddhi for a man
0: hmm so this is the way you explain the, the, the issue that i face is that when you say when you, when you have this explanation around it then you're not you're not necessarily taking prabhupada's words as it is, I guess you're saying that, I guess you're saying that you need to look at it in a specific way. Like you're going to, if you're going to look at it in a narrow way, then that's what you're going to get. But if you look at it in a more g- mode of goodness way, then you will see it as, uh, within the context of a larger, uh,
1: I guess, uh, philosophy or, or whatever. Framework. Yeah. framework. yeah. Right, right. Philosophical framework. And it, it, and suddenly it becomes much more, um, rational, um, I mean, if it's worth anything, uh, the most intelligent, you know, IQ, the you know, intelligent quotient thing, if you, you know, accept that, is a woman in the world. Mm. She has a two hundred five or something like that. I mean, it's un- unbelievably high. I mean, it's ridiculously high. It's a woman. Right. Now, why isn't it you? You're a man. Right. <laughs> you know, not it? Why isn't it myself? I mean. <laughs> Come on, you dummy, you know, and I'm a dummy, and there's a woman at the top. I mean, you know, we, we have to make sure we're not making assertions and that we're not quoting Prabhupada in a way that will make us look irrational. Right. That's another problem. You see, now here's another aspect to this, Namrasaji. Prabhupada had a very particular kind of discourse. He would speak on relatively important topics in absolute ways. And that was his dramatic style of teaching. I know what that's like. Sometimes I come into the classroom to my students and I say, you're all crazy. You know, <laughs> okay, right? So you're all crazy. You're all nuts. OK. All right. Now, some of them really are. OK but not all of them right so i'm i'm making a generalization i'm not i'm i'm being careless intentionally why for drama to to send a message home strongly right mm. admittedly i'm using hyperbole um it's it's inaccurate it's not true to the facts but there's a message Now, when I do this, you know, if you're ever talking to me on the phone sometime, Nam and I get all hyperbolic on you and all that, you might as well just hang up. But when (laughs) Prabhupada does it, he's doing it as an ambassador from the spiritual world. He's doing it as a representative of Krishna Bhakti, and he's trying to establish it and force us in a way. hes I know this sounds a little crazy. Prabhupada is a little Zen-like, you know. A little mm. bit of shock. Yeah. Let's shock these Westerners right. out of their Western, you know, Eurocentric box. Mm. You know, let's 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 make this make sense, you know. Um, drive it home. But Prabhupada said we should repeat the philosophy, yes, but we should not imitate him in the repetition of the philosophy. This is very subtle.
0: That is very subtle and important, important, yeah.
1: Prabhupada always said, preach according to your realization. I prefer the word teach. He used the word preach because that was the Christian word and that's still used in Christian settings and homiletics and so on. But really we're teachers. We're persons that share and bhakti means to share. Yeah. So we're more, we're actually teachers. And persons with whom we can, you know, uh, accept um, confidential thoughts, and we can offer confidential thoughts. Um, what our experiences are in Krishna bhakti, we can offer mm. that to people. Mm. See, so we I, I, have to be careful not to imitate Prabhupada. So, so you're a new devotee, and I, you come along, right? Yeah. I, I sit down next to you at a Sunday feast. You look innocent enough, right? Yeah. And I said, after I introduced myself, so Prabhupada is a pure devotee. He's a pure devotee, um, and you should follow him. You should surrender to him. You'll be liberated. Now, first of all, are these honest statements? Prabhupada is a pure devotee. Do you know what kind of being I would have to be to actually know and perceive Prabhupada as a pure devotee? Wow, I'd have to be one of the six Goswamis. Or, you know, it's not an honest statement. Stay away from the word to be, the verb to be, is, the is word. It's very dangerous. Leave that to God. God can use the verb to be. Mm. This is more powerful. Prabhupada has changed my life. His teachings have moved me so much that I've devoted myself to his mission. Maybe I can show you a few things. Right. <laughs> it's so much more powerful. Why? First of all, because it's true. It's genuine. To say Prabhupada is a Shakti who are you to say what Prabhupada is and what Prabhupada is not? Mm. I don't know about you, Namrasaji. but I ain't anyone to say that. Right. We can say what our experience is. Prabhupada appears to me to fulfill the requirements and the attributes uh, and the and the accomplishments of one of the most amazing acharyas in our line. Now, as an historian, I can say that he is one of the most amazing persons, even from a mundane viewpoint. Yeah, Prabhupada yeah. is amazing. Right. Okay, historically. Now, because he's my guru, you know, obviously I'm going to be a little biased, and people will, will know that. Yeah. But but in the academic setting, I actually prove how Prabhupada is an extraordinary exponent of Krishna Bhakti tradition.
2: Mm.
1: So the academics can offer devotees particular tools that are powerful if used properly. Right. But academic or not. Our understanding of Prabhupada's books requires dialogue among one another to lift one another up to the highest understanding.
0: You were, you were speaking earlier about some other statements, and you said that there actually have been devotees who have left the movement from hearing such statements. Yes. Now, for example, the, the statements of rape, uh, and also, other statements have been made. Can you give us, like, are we supposed to take these statements as it is, or are we supposed to try to work out the subtle meaning behind them, or, or like that? Tell us a little bit about, first of
1: all, that your experience in that. Okay, I'm one of the very few devotees who are actually trained in the ancient Purva Mimansa process of interpretation or hermeneutics, or the, the, the very tools that the Goswamis themselves used in um, in, in uh, writing Bhashya for the, our scriptures. Um, I learned this uh, from, you know, really masterful professors in this area. But even without those, we should take Prabhupada's words seriously, and we should not twist them. First of all. The process through which I think all devotees can go through is first one of personal absorption. Read what's in front of you, but honestly self-reflect on it. If you're uncomfortable about what is said, observe the discomfort. Don't be, don't like, oh, this is what Prabhupada said, it's right. You know, don't, don't, don't be dishonest, self-dishonest. Right, right. Realize that this is something I don't. I don't understand why Prabhupada has said this. Be honest with yourself. Yeah. The next thing to do is to bring it into dialogue with advanced devotees. Hmm. Now, you know who is advanced? Well, anyone who lifts you up is advanced. At least at that moment. Um, you know, a, a, a devotee uh, a few years ago said. Um, Uh, I would like to accept you, uh, Garuda Prabhu, as my Shiksha guru. I said, well, I said, look, let's take it on a sentence-by-sentence basis. When I say (laughs) something stupid, don't accept me. (laughs) When I say something really insightful and deep, accept me. Okay? (laughs) So let's do it on a sentence-by-sentence basis, and that's a deal, and we (laughs) shook. Pre-COVID, pre-COVID handshake. Right, right, right. So, so you know, the, the, it, 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 we attain a deeper understanding which moves into realization when we dialogue with devotees on these matters. And only after that can we be competent in presentation. Hmm. So first, you know, there's absorption, then there's dialogue, and then you can present
0: hmm
1: one has to go through this process
0: i i guess the the reason people have issues with it is when other people other devotees might use those statements for their own to like bring themselves up like for example for the women thing like the men may use that against women that oh you are less intelligent Prabhupada said it so so we're going to be you know uh, lord it over, I guess. You know, they can they can uh, use that for to bring themselves up. And in case of like other statements, then that's the issue. My my point is that the issue is when we use those points against others.
1: Okay, that that is a very serious matter because it dis- it is destructive to do that. It is very destructive to do that. Um, uh, the the um. this is when we turn shastra into shastra mm. okay yes yes scripture into weapons and it's the difference between a long a and a short a
0: yes
1: respectively right this is um very destructive namrasaji and i've seen it i've seen it we're not here to use scripture against one another this is not right. our process we're here to elevate one another with Shastra
2: mm.
1: and nourish and nourish one another. You know, two of the six exchanges that Rupa Goswami mentions in the Ubathe Sharmritam is, you know, offering nourishment to one another. Yes, that could be taken as prasadam foodstuffs, but it could be taken as anything that nourishes. So yeah. we're exchanging nourishing things, not Not harmful, discouraging things. Then that could move into the realm of aparada, which we easily translate as offense. But you know what aparada really means? I mean, it means pushing someone away from loving worship. Discouraging someone from loving worship.
2: Mm.
1: That is aparada. Apa, away. Rada, worship. Loving worship. So this we have to. This is serious. And if I ever hear something like this going on in a class right in front of me, I'll immediately stop, interrupt the speaker. I'm obnoxious that way. Really, I will stop them right, right in their footsteps. I don't allow that to happen in front of me. Mm. No, we do, we only use the shastra is to lift up. Mm. Yeah,
0: I want to add uh, if if anyone wants to. any comments or questions please put them in the comment section and keep your uh you know your writing succinct so it'll fit on the screen when you ask but yeah this this is a very very interesting point uh you were making Prabhu um what about like i understand that point about you know the the women less intelligent thing but what about other points like for example uh what like for example like when it when they talk about like what could be racist statements Right. That Shiraprop had made. How do we look at that? Like, or or example, we didn't go to the moon, or uh or, I mean, some people, you know, some people, you know, that's proven that we didn't, or some people prove this they say that we did, uh, or or just um perhaps even uh you know, maybe some statements about the Holocaust or things like that. Like, I guess how like how do we not focus on those things, or how do we react to people who do focus on those things and try to cause issues within the devotee community by focusing on those things
1: right good question um these first of all we need to understand and I'm writing something that will be published in in, in one of the books I'm working on but we need to understand that prabhupadas statements can be categorized in three at three levels essential teachings to Krishna bhakti Supportive, directly supportive teachings of Krishna Bhakti and peripheral statements
2: Mm.
1: that are not that are unconsequential, really, ultimately. Mm. I mean, who the hell cares if we go to the moon or not? I mean, really, I mean, is that really that important to you? I know it's not that important to me. I mean, (laughs) it doesn't change, you know, what we're having for dinner tonight, you know what I mean? Right, right. It really doesn't work that way. Um, the, 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 The really important thing we have to do is to focus everything to appreciate and understand and illuminate Krishna Bhakti, the ultimate message. Even Krishna says in the very last words, he speaks to Arjuna in the Gita, chapter 18, verse 72. He says, have you heard this whole teaching, which is very complex? with thought focused on the single highest point. Ekagra. Ekagra. Eka, single. Agra, summit, the summit, the Mm. peak of a mountain. So we should always keep focused on the single highest point. When we give class, we should always bring back, bring it around to the single highest point, the highest and most essential teachings of Krishna Bhakti. Right. Without doing that, then what is the point? And we should also speak about on those things that we've realized. You know, speak about the things that we've actually, um, in a very concrete way, have realized and studied deeply. It's part of your, part of your bones, really. Now there are some topics that I have not studied that deeply. This, for example, the statements. Uh, that are, pertain to uh, the evaluation of other cultures which can sound racist right, right. um uh, the the talks about uh, blacks um even even we europeans we're supposed to be uh, what uh, yavanas and and uh, you know i mean we don't get a we don't get a good uh, picture uh, you know we don't get a good rating there either <laughs> right okay so, yeah so it can appear very indocentric you know and yeah. so on Um, But again, you know, I just haven't pursued it, but there is a level of realizing what Prabhupada intended by it, and we Um, have to go there. Now, the part about rape, that I have looked into very thoroughly, and I I see advanced leading devotees squirm in their seats when they're trying to explain that, but it's not difficult.
0: Before you go into that, I want to talk about the statement you just made about intention. Like, how can we, like, I was talking to my wife about this earlier, like the farther we go away in generations from Srila Prabhupada, Mm the more, the more it will be unclear about what the intention was. Is that not right? Because you, because you, for example, you met Prabhupada and you talked to him and you heard from him personally Mm -hmm. and you were, you can, you can comment on perhaps, on his intention, although some would have an issue with that even. But but when you go farther in, in, in time, then you can't comment on the intention.
1: Prabhupada said his books are his, his vani. Right. His, it's got everything there. Mm. In fact, you know what, Anand rasuji I remember being in Mayapur, in the big, first big festival, and hearing Prabhupada morning and night speaking and going on morning walks with Prabhupada i mean uh and i remember being at, at after um um uh, purnima i remember being so eager to return to the states even before we all went over to vrindavan mm. because i just wanted to dive into prabhupada's books i was so inspired by what he was speaking to go to what he has written Right. Now, who would want to leave Prabhupada when you're with, right? But I had this incredible, I knew at that time that I would have a special relationship with Prabhupada's books. I didn't right. know I was going to go into the academic direction. Right. So, you know, that was that was a, a, an awakening. That was another awakening for me. Mm. And I had a relationship with Prabhupada's books. So his intention is there. Now, how do we know about each other's intentions? Like what about what about you right now, Namrasaji? What is your intention talking to Garuda Das? You know, <laughs> what is what is your evil underlying you know intention? Now here's the thing: parodharmo yato bhakti Right, this famous Bhagavatam verse: Aitoki apatiyata, aitoki, without motive. Yeah. Okay. So how do we become without motive? In a, um, in a in a in a pro- while we're still in process in Krishna bhakti. Okay, the irony is, you can be without motive if you declare your motives. I always urge devotees to declare why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. And ironically, by declaring your motives, you can reach a kind of motivelessness state when motives are hidden they take over when motives are declared everything is transparent wow. everything is pure
0: right, right
1: there's the irony so it don't devotees shouldn't hide away until they're pure devotees come out of hiding oh I'm without motive guys I'm I'm good you know yeah, no yeah. it doesn't work that way mm. it works about it has to do with transparency declare your motives right and and, and, and in this paradoxical way everything is is pure
0: mm. before i interrupted you you were going to make a point about the about uh, you studied the the rape issue and how some devotees they they are not sure how to explain it or anything so please continue sorry for interrupting you
1: yeah well um two leading devotees i won't mention by name it's not necessary but um, one leading devotee explains um, um, the, the why women like men who are expert at rape by resorting to Hollywood. Well, we see that in, in uh, films all the time. And how he knows about that since he's a sannyasi, I have no idea. But this is ridiculous. Hollywood is not an authority on women's natures. Okay? So nice. this is absurd. Um uh, and then he resorted to uh to divinity, who steals away Rukmini and you know, it's even there in 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 Shastra. Again, this is a misapplication of Shastra. What Prabhupada was speaking of in that purport, it would have been helpful. Now remember we talked earlier about Prabhupada's form of discourse. he can be dramatic, right. So Prabhupada didn't say some women, Okay, right? Right. <laughs> Some women, but that's actually what he's talking about in light of the whole philosophy. Mm. And also that way it's not counter to experience because you've met plenty of women who are not really like looking for men who are expert at rape. Also, it, it also makes all men out to be people who are not so expert at rape and they're not so good. And the people who are expert at rape, they're, they're better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the absurdity, right? Right. It's absurd. It, it 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 takes women and men and just smashes their, you know, their interrelations. Mm. Okay. But here's the thing. Prabhupada is speaking about very dark male-female interactions, which are there in this world. Let's face it. There are women who are very sick who, who want to be hurt. And there are men that want to hurt. And I don't need to, ref, you know, to give you examples. I mean, people can think of areas of society that really promote sick dealings between men and women. The purport prior to that one famous purport in the fourth canto yeah. speaks about sexual addiction well, Namrassaji, any addiction is very, very sick. Because if I have an alcoholic addiction or a sexual addiction or a drug addiction, what this means is I don't care about anything or anyone else. I need to get a fix. When I take drugs, or taking heroin or cocaine, I'm also hurting myself. When women have this idea about men, you know, being sex objects and wanting to be treated like a sex object, this is also very sick. Prabhupada is speaking about a sexual addiction, about a very dark level of male female relationships. Prabhupada, in other places, speaks about how a a couple can be so um, sweet and like a little Lakshmi Narayan. Mm, Right. Okay? Mm. Now, Prabhupada rarely speaks about rape anywhere in the books. This is the most prominent place. But if a couple can be a little Lakshmi Narayan, then what role does rape have there? None. Mm. So we have to put it together. Mm. This is not like, oh, I've... (laughs) <laughs> no, G, I have seen Sorry. I, I have seen senior women struggle with, well, maybe I really do want to be raped. Maybe oh that's God. there, and I don't know it. Or, oh my God, what is going on here? This is a misreading of Prabhupada's statement. He's not talking about you as a Vaishnavi. He's not even talking about many of my female colleagues. Whom I know in the university. Yeah. Or my female students. But you know, some women are sick. They are sick. They have a sickness.
0: Is does, does when you have to deal with like right now, when I'm asking you, and I'm sure you've gotten these questions from other students uh, about you know these statements, does that decrease your I wouldn't say faith in Prabhupada, does it make you question anything? Like I'm sure it people are questioning it. I mean, not you personally, but like other people who read it who are devotees, they could be like, Oh, this is like okay, you can explain it. Like Garuda Prabhu, you can explain it to me and I understand it. But but when I when I deeply think about it, it could be like it could hurt my faith in, in a sort
1: of way. It it could. It could. And, and in fact, the tamasa understanding of Prabhupada's statements you Know you come across a statement like that and 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 it's like what do I do with this? I mean yeah,
0: then you exactly. start
1: thinking about yourself like <laughs> I'm a man well maybe I I'm maybe I need to become more expert in rape. I don't know. I mean, is this what i is this I mean it's absurd, right? Yeah but this is what this is why um a beginner, a novice, a, a Kanishta needs to seek guidance in understanding these things. That's Unfortunately, even yeah. some devotees who've been around for over fifty years are still struggling. They don't. They think that some kind of, you know, well, Prabhupada's not using the word in the modern way. You know, in the colonialist definition of rape, it wasn't quite as fierce. And 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 uh, and and uh, and the sannyasi is explaining. Well, no woman likes you know a, a wimpy man. Yeah. And here's a sannyasi explaining to me what women like. <laughs> he's never had a relationship with a woman in his life and he's explaining to me what a woman right this is absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. Prabhupada, in the simplest of terms is explaining that there are dark sick levels when he's talking about the regulative principles. You know, I mean, you know, if you if you um I uh, had a dinner party and, you know, you, you take a little sip of wine. Yeah. I really don't think there's a problem there, but if you become addicted and you need to buy 20 bottles of wine on and keep 20 bottles of wine on hand, All right? I'm going to get really concerned about you. Mm. Um, intoxication. Um, I mean, look, sugar can be intoxicating and addictive too. In fact, it's considered to be more addictive than even heroin. And it's very bad. And it's bad. It's bad for you, ultimately. And then, you know, when you get to my age, you end up with diabetes and this and that and the other. This is not good. So you have to be careful with sugar. Yeah. Anything in excess, anything in Rajasa and Tamasa, Guna, is going to cause problems, period. So we yeah. have the tools, Namrasaji. Prabhupada yeah. gave us the tools. But, you know, you mentioned the idea of faith. When we read Prabhupada's books, it's you know it's not the same as reading uh, you know um, uh, you know uh, a book by Charles Dickens you know, or, or or reading let me uh, more modern stuff uh, let's say Harry Potter right okay it's a wonderful imaginary world and this and that and the other <laughs> you know fun that's fun okay. But you know, if you go and read Harry Potter with a mindset like, this is stupid, this is not real. <laughs> then why are you reading Harry Potter in the first place? You know um, uh, you know if, if you're reading you a know, uh, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, I mean, you know it's not something that really happened, but, but it's based on some things probably in her life, little projections and so on. Um, there's a message in there. You read it for the message. Now, when you read Prabhupada's books, why are we reading Prabhupada's books? To cultivate a life of Krishna Bhakti. Mm. If for a while you read something that doesn't make sense to you, that's okay. Put it on the shelf. Have faith that one day you will have some realization about it.
2: Mm.
1: That's the way to read Prabhupada's books. To read probably, and and let's say there isn't a guide around that is available to help you understand and appreciate something, then put it on the shelf. I did that several times way back in the day, and it's amazing how I returned back to it with illumination. I understood it finally. This is a wonderful process, this Krishna Bhakti. So it's so.
0: There's a few points there. That one uh, that I want to hone in on first is that it's 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 important to have a guide when you are you know reading the books, and if the, you if, if there isn't, then you shelf it and and come back to it. That's really important. Uh, that um, what was the second thing I was going to say? It's in, oh, th- what I was going to say is that it's not like a normal book. That, that you're reading like Harry Potter, but it's actually something spiritual that's going to reveal itself to you in time as your adhikar is increasing. Yes, as you're ready. As you're ready, correct. Yeah.
1: Yes. The this level of reception, receptivity, as we purify our hearts. Um the the, the word used in the bhakti sutra is patra, which means a pot, right? Right. And and we are but if we got if we have our pots filled up with all kinds of preconceptions and and conditionings, then how much room is there for Krishna bhakti? So we got to be busy emptying out that that pot a little bit, right, right, and, and, right. and make room, you know. Yeah, yes, yes. So if I if this X piece of information goes into and mixes in with my Y conditioning, well, it it, it just it just may not be the right time for me to understand something, right. You know,
0: that's a huge point. Yeah, that's a huge point. So does that mean, does that mean we have to, what, what does it mean to empty oneself in that way? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah.
1: So, uh, so we all come with um, sangskaras, you know, uh, conditionings. Um, um, now here's, here's a point that, that devotees think, and I've heard leading devotees tell me, there is no love in this world now sometimes Prabhupada says that yeah but again let's take it to the sattvika level right the 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 uttama level it doesn't mean you have to be an uttama bhakta when we do deity worship at the temple do you know you're stepping into pure devotee's shoes right i mean with all the the beautiful ritual and the 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 this connection with the deity yeah this is all pure devotee uttama stuff yes now do we say, um, Namrassa, are you an Uttama Bhakta? Because we're not going to let you on the altar until you are. It's kind of a piece of paper. No, we don't do that. But our whole process is about stepping into Uttama shoes, expecting Uttama performance. And we do this by helping each other. Mm. Okay, We do this by helping each other, supporting one another. Um. Suddenly, when it comes to the philosophy or teaching, suddenly we we can just splatter, you know, Madhyama and Kanisha understandings all over the place. Mm. You know, no, True. no, there's no. <laughs> this is not acceptable. Right. You have to be on. For example, if someone asked me to, if you asked me today, how do we understand these statements, these assertions by Prabhupada that make Prabhupada appear? um uh, racist. I would yeah. say I know what you're talking about but I'm going to have to look into that more. This is not something I've looked into deeply. Right. right? So I'm not going to I'm not going to talk I could talk about it some Yeah. but I'm not I know that I'm not ready to. That kind of self-honesty is so important. Teach what you really know. It sounds like a truism, doesn't it? Okay. But teach what you truly know. Don't teach what you don't know.
0: Right. Thank you for I, that, honesty.
1: You know, I mean, a, a young lady uh, uh, years ago told me that someone came through 26 Second Avenue, where I've spoken many times. A sannyasin came through and he spent 30 minutes condemning. Homosex. Mm. 30 minutes. He abused the privilege of sitting on an asana with people wanting to hear about Krishna Bhakti. Condemning, first of all, homosex is a phrase that Prabhupada invented. There is no phrase like that in the English language. So that's imitation, first of all. Right. We already talked about that as no good. So right. that makes him look stupid. He's a Westerner, and he's saying homosex. Come on. right. Second of all, is this what our philosophy does? Are we busy just going around condemning different types of people that we don't accept? Is no. that what we're about? No, no. Where was the, uh, the Kripa Sindhu here? Where was the ocean of, of, of grace? <laughs> Right, right. Where was even a, a Kripa Bindu? Where was a little drop, <laughs> drop of the stuff? Yeah. It was a desert. Okay. And then third of all, is this how you represent Krishna Bhakti? How you represent Iskam? Mm. This is shameful, Namrasaji. If I had if I had been there in that audience and I heard him go on more than one minute on this, I would have I would have raised my hand and said, Swamiji, I'm gonna leave unless you bring this around to Krishna Bhakti, because you're condemning a group of people that you probably don't know much about. Right. And even if you do, you know, that is still I'm not I'm questioning where, where you're going with this.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, for example, like you're in a Bhagavatam class and that canto that, that purport comes up, Lord Brahma, and he's okay. you know and that yep. whole comes up. How do you bring it back to Krishna Bhakti and you not focus on that
1: purport that you're supposed to give a class on? Oh, you must. No, no you must focus on that purport. Right. Because remember, when we're sitting on the asana, we're giving class, we're there to illuminate what is being said. So in effect, we first need to start out as exegetes. Okay. That is to say exegesis, uh, to, to generate meanings Directly out from the text. Ah, I see. It's so important. Okay. But then our job is to take that narrow section of all all of thousands upon thousands of pages, you know, um, tens of thousands of pages. We're now supposed to um, follow Krishna's instructions to Arjuna. Have you heard this whole teaching or this specific teaching? In light of the single highest point, right. That's our job as teachers of Krishna bhakti.
0: That's if great. If Krishna
1: bhakti never comes up in your lecture, something is wrong.
0: Mm. That's a that's a huge point. I mean, for people who are teaching Krishna consciousness, sharing Krishna consciousness, it's
1: if always bringing about Yeah. You know, well, what if I? What if I? At the university, we're teaching a literature course, and always. Presented were science books. I mean, that's just that's just. You know, I didn't sign up for this. Mm. No devotee signed up for mundane presentations of Krishna bhakti.
0: Very huge point.
1: You know, we're not here to talk about. You know, uh, um, merely social
0: like social issues or anything like that.
1: Right now, you can bring up a social issue and show how to approach it.
0: How to approach it
1: from a Krishna conscious point of view. And again, there you go, right back to the single highest point, the yakagra,
0: the Mm. yakagra. This is amazing, fascinating conversation. Thank you so much, Prabhu. Um, I'm gonna look into the comments and see if we can ha- we have any questions there because I wanna do that before we go into our next topic. Sure, uh, sure. But, but let's look at the questions here. Uh, here's one. This is I'm gonna share the ones that are directly related to what we were talking about. Okay, uh, sure. Shamala, does the Shastra value buddhi more than meda, that point you were making earlier? If not, why are there so many statements about women being less intelligent than men, yet few, if any, statements that explain how men are less are less also intelligent than women in other ways?
1: Yes, good, very good. Well, first of all, um, I offer my pranams to Shyamala. Yes. You might know. So yes. uh, good to he- hear her comment. Um, now, um, one way to understand and appreciate what Prabhupada was doing. And again, his form of discourse. We need to appreciate that Prabhupada was speaking as a sannyasin. He he was also aware, and you can find this in parts of his books, he was aware or even self-conscious of the fact that his godbrothers were looking at him. Mm. He was already pushing the envelope with initiating women. He was already pushing the envelope with various, you know, things that he instituted in his comp to, to yeah. be able to make the uh, society of Krishna Bhakti more available to all persons, and he 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 felt the the the, the burden of, of 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 the expectations of where he came from, which was the Godia month. So he was speaking as a monk as a renunciate and um uh you know as someone who writes books and articles chapters and all that kind of stuff i always say you know you know uh, uh he or she i always acknowledge that there're women out there for a strict sannyasin they're supposed to basically be in a man's world yeah so that partially um one can partially understand why there's a focus or an emphasis, as Shyamla uh, mentions there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, medha is here and there throughout the books. It is not nearly uh, uh, around as buddhi, but buddhi, I think, is also meant to be a more universal term, whereas medha might be a little bit more of a specific term as it's applied. Interestingly enough, in, you know, in, in Sanskrit, every word is gendered. It's either neutral, feminine, or masculine. Right. It might interest um, Shamala to know that even the word buddhi is in the feminine gender. Uh-huh. How <laughs> about them apples? Okay. And, and, um, and you know, there's, there's a lot more. Um, I had a student at a at graduate theological union who I think is going to possibly work on her course paper on the feminine dimensions of the Gita. First of all, the word Gita is feminine, but every other place you find the word Gita, like the Gopi Gita or the uh, 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 Brahma Gita, uh, uh, right? The Brahmar Gita and 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 the uh, every other place it's in the masculine gender, the short oh. a at the end. Bhagavad Gita, mm. it's very unusual. Well, Bhagavad is of course a masculine gender referring to Krishna. Gita, it's feminine so Mm. that's interesting very subtle implications so and in in the last verse in the second chapter use uh, a puts brahman in the feminine gender brahmi spiritual energy of brahman it's very unusual so there Mm. are these subtle things that need to be brought out and more research needs to be done. And uh, I invite Shamali to be part of that research. Whenever right. she's ready, she can give me a call. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Here's another one from uh, Deva Madhava Prabhu. Please share some basic hermeneutic principles so that we can avoid canonizing everything Shalapropod said in any context.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Um, okay. Um, okay, hermeneutical principles. Well, we've already done some of that. Okay? We've talked about you need to be able to recognize when Prabhupada is speaking about something that is essential to Krishna Bhakti, Mm. when something is statements that are supportive to Krishna Bhakti, and then peripheral things, you know, going to the moon, not going to the moon. This is relatively peripheral. It doesn't change anything in Krishna Bhakti. The Goswamis never had to deal with going to the moon or not going to the moon, you know, the six Goswamis, um, you know every every devotee lives at a certain time and will address possibly certain issues mm. okay social external issues but one thing the gita teaches us is that this world will always be troubled that's the symbol that arjuna gives all of us will always be you know uh, confounded by what's going on out in the in the battlefield of the material world. Now, okay, but going back to Deva Madhava's uh, question, um, what hermeneutical principles? First of all, you know that the uh, the first uh, thesis I ever wrote was for my first master's thesis when I dropped out of Uf- University of Chicago. Um, Prabhupada saw that uh, thesis. He was on his bed. He was sickly at that point. This was in the months leading up to his departure. But I had um, uh, uh, a couple of devotees insisted that I send my thesis to Prabhupada, and I didn't want to, because I didn't want to disrupt Prabhupada's translation. I didn't want him to be focusing on my little mundane things, you know? Right. But it was called something like a hermeneutical study of the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, way back in 1977. Hmm. Prabhupada told his secretary at that point, uh, so he gave some very appreciative and inspiring words to get back to me. But but here's the point. Um the the uh, the, the bhakti tradition, the Vedantic tradition has very elaborate um tools for understanding. We're already familiar a little bit with the basic modes of cognition, right? Uh, Pratyaksha pramana, shabda pramana, and anumana pramana are the three primary ones. But there are six more, and I won't go. I won't belabor this now. So I'm (laughs) disciplining myself. Okay, I hope you appreciate that. A lot of self-restraint is being applied (laughs) now. Okay, good. Good. Um, But then there are uh, to understand uh, Vedantic uh, bashyas. There are all kinds of um, uh, ways of weighing uh, the evidence and the weight of statements made in the shastras, and the Goswamis dealt with this. What makes a stronger argument? What makes a weaker argument? Um, I try to give devotees a simple way of understanding it in terms of the the, the trigunya, that when a statement is narrow narrowly construed. Without understanding it and other relative, uh, or um, uh, uh, you know, relevant, relevant statements or similar statements in the in the rest of the books, then you're still in in this dark place of understanding. But if you do see it in this uh, at this level, then it's a a, a a rajasa level of understanding. And then to gain it, an understanding of that singular statement in light of the whole of the philosophy is is what we need to s- seek with one another by profuse reading and researching the books and by our own uh, development and realization uh, in krishna bhakti itself all those things need to be um, pursued to get to gain that highest understanding so uh, that's my simple you know hermeneutic yeah. for devotees Right. It get, it, I don't see any need for devotees to get into the technical, um, mimamsa Purva mimansa, uh, uh aspects of, of philosophy. That starts with the Jaimini Sutra, uh, Prabhakara and Kumara uh, Bhatta um, uh, commentators on the Jaimini Sutra and the mimansa, uh laws of hermeneutics and so on. Uh, it gets very—it's very complex. Wow! It's very complex.
0: Very interesting topic, though. Yeah. Now, Deva Madhava,
1: you know wants to get, you know, into heavy-duty study of this, <laughs> then I'll tell Devamadova, give me a call, you know. <laughs> <He knows laughs> okay,
0: great. Yeah. great. we have another, just a comment here from uh, one of our supporters, Raghava Pandit Prabhu. To your earlier point, this is from Vinod Thakur the great reformers will always assert that they have come out not to destroy the old law, but to fulfill it. Okay. Very nice. Here's another, here's a question. Pandit hmm. Prabhu, it hurts me when the majority of ISKCON He he said rejects evolution. What are your views?
1: Mm. Evolution is a is is a a complex subject. Now I was on a doctoral dissertation committee at Oxford University. You know that's that little place over there across the puddle. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I was flown over to um, to uh, do a dissertation exam by a devotee. By the way, this is history. There's never been, I think, in the history of our Krishna Bhakti tradition, a devotee scholar examining a doctoral dissertation by a devotee oh. up-and-coming scholar so i've wow. done this several times very at cool. and and in other universities so this is really new devotees examining devotees teaching devotees in the university setting it's quite mm-hmm. a new thing right mm-hmm. so this one devotee janaki ram has written a whole book on how we can understand and appreciate what the what evolution can be what what aspects of evolution can be accepted what can be rejected um how the interaction between uh science and uh a krishna bhakti can be a very fruitful dialogue this is not my area of expertise so i'd have to refer that very good inquiry to mm. that discussion
0: Sure, sure. Uh, th- this is a, another question on the same line. How can we reconcile Prabhupada's cosmological statements? For example, the moon is a star, from co- which contradicts modern scientific
1: observation. Right. Um, again, you know… Um, I mean, I, I'd like to ask you a personal uh, a question, Namrataji. Uh, sure. Uh, do you read uh, like uh, how to put your your phone? To, the instruction manual of your phone. Uh, do you read that for pleasure, or, uh, <laughs> or you you're, you're, read, you're reading it as, in a utilitarian way?
0: Yes. Yes. Exactly.
1: Okay. Science is about. It's all about pratyaksha pramana. It's all about sense sensory perception it will only accept things according to what can be perceived, either as things are blown up from microscopic levels or things are brought to us from a macro level, okay? Everything is being brought down to the range
2: Mm.
1: of the human senses. Now, when we talk about the Bhagavata, we're talking about writings about things even in this uh, phenomenal world that are not, you know, um, um, viewed through those means, through through that means. Um, It may engage pratyaksha Pramana, but it's always going to have at its basis Shabda Pramana, revelation. So you don't go to the Bhagavatam to fix a broken leg. I really don't recommend it. (laughs) <laughs> right. There's nothing in the Bhagavatam that's gonna help you fix it. Now, how to fix your consciousness while you're dealing with a broken leg. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I would say so. Um, but uh you don't it's like it's like those devotees who are fanatics, they they will uh chant Hare Krishna, you know, if uh, uh they're you know, if they're sick and they're you know, uh, don't go, you know, don't go on a respirator when you got COVID, just chant Hare Krishna. Well, first of all you know, good luck chanting, you know, while you're, you need to be on a respirator. But the idea is that we're not, so, that's one of the offenses to the holy name, right? To go to the Mahamantra as if it were going to um, accomplish something material. Mm. Let's not go to the Bhagavatam, to the, the sacred texts, for a, uh, to solve material issues, worldly issues, or even scientific issues. Um, leave that to the scientists. It's a different mm-hmm. realm. Yes, there are overlappings. There can be an interesting dialogue, which I've seen actually happening with experts. That's marvelous. But, you know, um, when I get on an airplane, I don't stop and ask the pilot, excuse me, sir, did you have you been reading Bhagavatam? <laughs> uh, because I don't really want to get on this plane. Right. You know, you're flying the the, the plane, but... I'm sorry, the flight attendant, I'm going to have to get off the plane because the pilot is not absorbed in Krishna Bhakti, and I don't trust the pilot. Well, planes are not flown by, you know, the one's absorption in Krishna Bhakti. They're flown by the, 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 comput- the, the machines. The, the, yeah. They almost self-fly themselves these days. I mean, yeah, by the instruments. They go by the instruments. Mm. So, you know, there's a time to trust the instruments. And there's a time to trust the bhagavata. We have to know the difference. We have to know the Very different. good point.
0: Love that. Okay. Here is uh, just a comment from uh, Radhika Patel. Love it. When motives are hidden, this is your quote. When motives are hidden, they take over. Uh, when motives are communicated slash clear, they are transparent. Very good point that you made earlier. Great. Um, yeah,
1: oh, here's is, another I mean, this comment. is so important. I, I suggest this to devotees when they sit down for meetings. Let's sit down, let's just, and even when we're, there are differences. Let's talk about your motives. And I wanna talk about my motives and so on. It's the right way to start. Anyway, just throwing that in.
0: Right, right uh shamala's follow-up comment looks like since the quotes about women negatively impact the faith of so many aspiring devotees wouldn't it help to have footnotes or endnotes in the books themselves to make sure the statements are not misinterpreted uncle this is a whole nother
1: <laughs> okay this is merge this is uh, possibly segue uh, segue wait but n- not yet but not, not yet, yet not but, yet okay fine we'll just respond to that uh question yes um yeah uh, go ahead since you know I know Shyamala. I love Shyamala. So, you know, yes. I owe her some response here. Um, so, um, here's the thing Shyamala, we are a Bashya tradition. I don't know if there's enough room in a footnote or an endnote to be able to explain all these things, but they should be explained. Um, you know, the devotee output has been memoirs, lots of beautiful memoirs. Um, devotee output is um, on, um, uh, you know, um, uh, translation of texts. Um, there's one devotee who just does nothing but translation, just translating like crazy. Yeah. Um, other devotees will write maybe some philosophical things here and there, but we no one has started the project of actually writing commentary on Prabhupada's commentary. This is what we do in the Bhakti tradition. Why The BBT, one of the jobs of the GBC, or I don't know, I'm not good with administrative stuff, but someone should be putting together a committee to write commentary on Prabhupada's commentary. Mm. This is what we do. Acharya's did that previously. And and why are we stopping that? Yeah. Why have we stopped? We've written everything else. We've written... You know, uh, uh, well, I, I, I'm at fault, too. I mean, I, I've, I'm writing books and <laughs> I'm not doing. But in a sense, I am, because even in uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami's book, the last chapter that I wrote, the last chapter for that book. And I'm trying to have devotees understand and appreciate more about what our, what the great gifts that Prabhupada gave us are meant for, what how to understand them and appreciate them and apply them. Um, but I'm speaking re- re- really right now. I mean, Shyamala's point is, you know, in the books, there should be something. Well, with the books, there should be something. Mm. With the books. Yes. Good point. You know, years ago, the BBT in 2005 called me up and they had a, a, a conference call and asked me, and this is when um, I was just uh, finalizing a contract with HarperCollins for a translation of the Bhagavad Gita. They asked me, would I be able to write a 30-page pamphlet, booklet, that would be shrink-wrapped along with Bhagavad Gita as it is, to help people get into this large, fat book? Wow. And, and I was working with Kalakanta. He was, my, he was supposed to be my secretary in this. Mm-hmm. And I would go and meet with Kalakanta Ji. Um, and I was talking about how we need to bring out the really delicious wow statements and how th- then the reader could go to them and a guide of how to go th- through the Gita, which can get very complicated. Yeah. And and so um, but they cut it off. Inexplicably. Mm. They gave me no reason. I worked on it for a year and they cut it off. Hmm. I have no idea why. No one ever explained to me. But that was an idea. That they thought of—that's a little bit in response to Shyamala's question. In other words, yeah. in such a booklet, could have been an explanation of certain things that may be difficult to understand that Prabhupada said. Wow, there are opportunities! That's, that's a to
0: huge. Do this. That's a huge uh, disservice, I would say, that they didn't—that it wasn't uh, you weren't able to get that out.
1: I—I don't know why. Um, it, huh. Anyway, so I just reverted to working on my own, you know, translation, which right, itself right. was done to be able to support Prabhupada's translation. Right. So, I agree okay. with Shyamala in principle. There needs to there there's a need, a desperate need, for devotees to come out with mature, not immature, explanations, like the kinds I've explained earlier. Yeah. I mean, this sannyasi was referring to one of these famous actors. What was his name? Um, <laughs> he's known for his muscles. This is what women want. I said, how do you know what women want? That's not, that's not what women want. Um, mm. And um, Schwarzenegger, thats the, he was not referring right. to Arnold. And the point is that he didn't know what he was talking about. Again, let us teach what we truly know. Don't overreach. Don't go into some area you just know nothing about
2: it. It's yeah, just very good yeah. point.
1: We, like, I won't do that. I'm not going to explain to you what the, what the apparent racist like statements, the problem. I have not done enough work on that yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's look at another question. So you reject the idea of a misunderstanding of the word in an archaic form. I, I, I think he a typo for context of, ch- uh, for context of chapters describing a couple's amorous relationship. I believe this is talking about the chapter about the rape rape. where the whip
1: is. Right, yeah. So yes, um, to, uh, first of all, if Prabhupada actually meant something softer than the way we understand the word rape currently, um, it's not obvious that he does. Secondly, it's actually quite obvious that Prabhupada knows that rape is something that is forced upon a woman that is, um, uh, this is—it's aggression. It's—it's—and um, it's a crime. He acknowledges that it's a crime. So Prabhupada is not naive about this. It's right. very clear. It's very yes. clear. Now there are some devotees that try to undo all of that and say, "Well, back in you know uh, British colonialism, you know they thought of rape as a kind of heroic thing, and a woman likes a, a, a man to take her away." You know, right? No, no. Mm-mm. No, it's very clear that Prabhupada is talking about sick relations, addictive uh, personalities involved here. Yeah. Mm. Very clear.
0: Okay, great. Uh, here's another one. This We already discussed this, how to understand the sun is closer than the moon from Bhagavatam. We already discussed that. Uh, Oh, uh, this is from okay fa- uh, from uh, Kapila, our friend. Fascinating. I felt this point about uparad was profound. What what I would be interested in hearing about is why is it valuable to explain or to contextualize an approach rather than perhaps remove? Uh, let's see. An in
1: incendiary statement. Um,
0: yeah, I get. I, I, I guess I got cut off somehow.
1: Okay. Okay, but I think I know where it was going, right? Yeah.
0: Please comment on that.
1: Well, there have been some devotees who think. Some of these controversial statements should be removed from Prabhupada's books. But they were going to start throwing stuff out left and right. You know, oh, I don't like this. You know, non do you like this statement? No? Okay, we'll throw it out. Okay. And this statement over here, I don't like very much. So is it all right with you if I throw it out? Sure, <laughs> why not, Karuna? Yeah, just throw it out. Just left and right, we'll be throwing out statements here and there that we don't happen to like or it's not PC, whatever. That's not our duty as disciples. Our duty as disciples is to illuminate mm. and to do it honestly. Um, I mean, there are statements in Prabhupada's books that you will not find me repeating in my university settings or devotional settings. Right. I promise you, there will, there, right? But I have to respect that Prabhupada said them and wrote them, and it's my job to understand the spiritual teacher. Right. right. Not to change him. Good, really I good have, point. I I'm the first person, along with so many others, that want to protect Prabhupada from criticism. I don't want to see Prabhupada criticized. Yeah. My gosh, it's painful. Yeah. But yeah. but the way to the way to combat that is through knowledge, not through violating Prabhupada's writings or uh, or to get fanatical and tell women that they all want to be raped.
0: Hmm. Here's another question uh, from Rubachandra Das. I teach in religious studies in a college. I generally, I don't give my students Prabhupada books as readings. This is because I don't want my students, most of whom identify with feminism and uh, Afro movements like uh, Black Lives Matter to be distracted by the controversial statements in his books or even make offenses to him. What do you think of this? Do you think we should have more bridge books or commentaries on Bhagavatam that could accommodate modern College students. I believe we discussed a little bit about this, but if you if you want to make any comments on that,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Rupa Chandraji, of course, I, I know him. And okay. uh, uh, after reading this comment, I think he's a demon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, no, actually, actually, I respect how now he's a new professor. Yeah, he's 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 obviously he's he's a bhakta. He wants to bring Krishna bhakti. To his students, but he does. But he's not. uh, He hasn't developed a way yet, or 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 just a preference or whatever, of how to engage Prabhupada's books in the classroom. And you know what? That's fine. See, he's being honest. He's being real. So he'll do it another way. I have confidence. I know Rupa Chandraji.
2: Mm. He's an
1: inspired bhakta, as and also a professor. So he'll find a way. Now I use Prabhupada's uh, Gita you know, in in the classroom. You know, I've got it somewhere around here. Um, I I I uh, uh, during the pandemic I I go down to camp campus and I sell Prabhupada's Gita's right out of the back of my car. It it, it must it, this must be similar to what a drug deal feels like, you know. It's kind of <laughs> like in the back parking lot. Students are coming out with money and they're taking the product away. It's just a transcendental drug and not a mundane one. But, um, uh, in fact, it went on Dandavats, a picture of the back of my car with a pile of Bhagavad Gita's. I've, I've heard other devotees say that they can't figure out how to use Prabhupada's books in the classroom. I've heard that. You know, I'm not here to judge them. What I do appreciate is their honesty. This is so important, that we're honest with ourselves, and they're honest with our confidants. And, you know, possibly I could show devotees who are having difficulties in using Prabhupada's um, uh, uh, Gita, for example, in the classroom. I could show them how I do it, you know, Mm. and that may or may not help. So I I don't condemn uh, Rupa Chandraji at all in his stage right now where he just feels more comfortable presenting Krishna Bhakti through other means. Right. It's perfectly fine.
0: Here's a, here's a comment on, uh, it looks like Shamala's, um, co- um comment. The GBC voted for that, but BBT rejected it and didn't follow it because that would be relativizing Srila Prabhupada and the interpretation of such statements are varied too. The best part of our philosophy and also the most dangerous part is that we accept an absolute spiritual authority. I believe he's commenting on the en- on the footnotes.
1: The f- footnote or endnote idea, that's right. Um Um, yes, um, it, it it's there are all kinds of considerations here, okay, okay. Um, When you start giving a footnote or an endnote to something, you know how far do you do that?
0: You know? Yeah yeah
1: Now the the thing is that it would have to be an endnote because otherwise you're disrupting the pagination. Of the text. So if you want to keep adding endnotes, you could do that in production. Footnotes alter the pagination of the text and then mess up your index, and it's a mess. So endnotes would be the answer. Now, here's the thing how many people go to endnotes? Not a lot of people. They ignore endnotes a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm someone who loves reading endnotes. I don't know what (laughs) it's a sickness, I think. Um, Actually, I had a professor at Harvard whose books were famous among us grad students back then, his books were thicker with, with endnotes than the actual text he wrote. We just thought it was the funniest thing ever, you know. Um, but he had th- more endnotes than he did actual text.
2: Hmm.
1: So that's not a good thing, really. Um, my doctoral mentor said, look, if it's that important and it's that substantive, put it in the text. Okay, now that's for my own writing. Now, Prabhupada wrote what he wrote. The best answer to this is commentary on Prabhupada's commentary. So, for example, you have the Interpreter's Bible. It's these huge volumes that go, you know, wide. I don't know, 12, 15 volumes. It's commentary on, you know, the Bible. Yeah. From a certain uh, traditional perspective, this is really what we need, and this is what we are lacking heavily. We're lacking heavily, mm. and um, more should be done about it. it really yeah. should. I'm hoping that Shamil's generation will do this, since my generation, we're all kind of dying off and old, and I'm senile. And and uh, <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. No, but you didn't know me before. You know, a year ago. I mean. <laughs> i'm really I was, much worse
0: yeah let's look at um an appreciation here from uh Chris, christopher fiji of he's oh, a yes. friend of mine and i and you know him as well yes uh, i do sure, yes i always appreciate greater prabhu's wonderful example of scholarly seva he is a dear mentor and friend and guide yeah. i've told him he's right. the og of scholars in our iskan family most of all he's showing us that interpretation of Prabhupada's teachings and of the teachings, history, and culture of our tradition are profoundly necessary and beneficial. Services we shouldn't be afraid of interpreting what Prabhupada said under the guidance of those who know uh, how to do so. Mm-hmm. Very, very good point. Uh, um, I I I feel like I had an issue with that earlier, but hearing you speak, I, I I feel like I mean, you do this. You did this to me with the book edits as well. Like yeah. when you when I hear you speak on something and I'm not sure about an idea, you make it very clear and I, I tend to
1: agree well Nam I don't think it's that I'm so clear I think you're just gullible as hell really I, just, uh, I mean I mean you really should do something about that I mean really oh gosh I mean, truly no but you know what you know but here at uh, I appreciate um uh, that comment a lot and appreciate his appreciations but here's the thing the word interpretation is a word that that devotees often don't like because it it, it implies that I'm not accepting what's there and I'm having to impose something on it. Now I'll give That's you an example.
0: That's exactly how I thought. That's exactly how yes. I thought.
1: Yes. And this is, this is, um, uh, 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 this is a residue. I remember sitting with Satz back in the old days when he was writing the Lilamrita. So he was, he would come up to Boston and I was still at Harvard forever as I was up there for 13 years. And, um, Uh, And I sat down with him and I said, so how are you going to interpret some of Prabhupada's actions? He said, I'm not going to interpret. There's no interpretation here. So we had a big friendly fight, you know, and we always had wonderful discussions back in those days. And he was in the midst of researching Prabhupada's uh, activities and his history and so on. And, And I talked to him about... I said, you know, you can take interpretation in in different ways. And we talked about that and we worked through it. And interpretation can mean something very negative. It can mean that, you know, I'm not accepting what you're saying. So I'm going to bring in a foreign meaning to it. But there's another level of understanding interpretation, which means that it's just cognitively what we all do. So we are, as... um, a uh, 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 20th century thinker talked about it. We are, you know, receivers, transformers, and transmitters of symbols. You know, we we take in something. We can misinterpret, we can or misunderstand um, what another person has said. So, really, interpretation is really closer to understanding. The meaning is understanding. Mm. Once we try to take in what someone says, then we kind of, you know, filter it through our minds and our own experience and our own conditionings. Yeah, and so that is part of what interpretation means. And then we we uh, is, uh, you know, give it back uh, and we hopefully have done a good job. So that's why it's good if you tell me something. Then it's good for me to see if I can repeat to you what I've understood, and you'll either say, "No, Garuda, you're crazy. You haven't heard anything I've said." Yeah. Oh, well, then we need to start over. So I did a misinterpretation. So, you know, interpretation can be a uh, it can be a semantic problem.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That's that's really really good. Um. There. Okay. Okay, here's a follow-up from uh, Kapila. Thank you. Perfectly understood and explained, but excellent deduction. Uh, appreciate your point on this. There's a word limit on YouTube, hence the cutoff. That's why. But you, you deduced what he was saying. Thank you for oh. that. Okay, good. Um,
1: good.
0: Okay.
1: Oh, don't skip over the stupid ones. I'm going to hear a couple of stupid questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: the, the, there's no stupid question. There's a lot of appreciation, but also uh, okay, okay, let's look at this one. Uh, Srila Prabhupada made many comments describing the character of African Americans and, Ameri- uh, and Africans in most abominable ways based on their race and culture. This is by definition racist. Srila Prabhupada's personal conduct and the principles on which he built an institution are extraordinary. But when conveying personal opinions on race, these opinions were obviously bigoted and have caused great harm. I believe the damages from these statements will grow exponentially until, unless soberly and humbly add, uh, got cut off. Okay. Uh, okay. If you can comment on that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, as I said earlier, I, I made a disclaimer that I haven't looked into this as deeply as I will and should at some point. Um, one thing that, you know, there are, anyone who's been to India has seen dogs in the street. And, you know they're they're sort of freaked out, right? I mean they're they're sort of um, they're not like dogs like we know them here,
0: right. right? Right.
1: And that's because of the way dogs are treated there. You know, let me give you another example: a chicken. Do you ever think of a chicken as being a pet? No, chickens no. are generally we think of chickens being locked up in cages, squished too f- closely together. Uh, go through this factory farming of you know of of, of of you know providing meals for people to eat these animals right in this dreadful condition right so they don't seem to have any character but i know someone who had a chicken for a pet and the thing was just adorable right intelligent when love what what's that intelligent actually Intell- yes yes right and you wouldn't think so because a little tiny head the big fat body you know yeah yeah right in my case, I have the big head and the little body. So it, <laughs> it's kind of counterintuitive. It may not work that way all the time. But so. But the idea is when, I mean, here is a general principle of bhakti applied everywhere. When living beings are loved, they blossom. When human beings are oppressed, they they act differently. Love brings out intelligence. oppression uh, uh, destroys the spirit of any living being, including human beings. You know Africans were thought of as being you know uh, a culture uh worth worthy of enslaving it certainly was that way in America um. Um, also in in other countries and and so the impression of of Africans are in this dreadful condition. this dreadful condition. But given a, uh, a love and nourishment in the way that human beings should have, then you can't really, you know, uh, call them lesser, a lesser race. Really, what's lesser, is our treatment of other cultures that's what is lesser and this mm. is as high as my understanding goes right now so when we say that you know africans you know are a lower birth because we've made them a lower birth just like the dog in the street in india i never see dogs in my neighborhood looking like those dogs never because they're not treated that way we make races lesser but humans are humans. Mm. When love is applied to li- all of live- any living beings, they thrive. Yeah. Just that simple principle. And that's bhakti. That is bhakti. And there are no lesser races with the eye of bhakti. There are no lesser races. There's only loving connection and nourishing.
0: Hmm. Thank you. Here's a question from one of your students, I believe. Can we (laughs) interpret away all the controversial statements in Prabhupada's books? Is there a point when we have to come to terms with the idea that Prabhupada may be wrong or misinformed on some issues that are peripheral to Krishna Bhakti?
1: Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Yes. Um, Thank you, Premananda Velas. Explained away. Okay, now I'm not... Suggesting that we explain away. Um, I think you said
0: interpret away.
1: Oh, interpret away. Yes. Okay. Same to me. It's same difference. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yes. Fine. Sorry. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so interpret away. Um, the idea of interpretation would be to for further illumination of what's being said. That would be the ideal of interpretation. But um. Yes. Um the pure devotee uh you know uh is thought of as someone who's infallible, cannot make mistakes, and so on. Let me put it this way. When my kids were young, okay, you no, Russ, you've got a young kid, right? Well, how old's your kid? Uh my my oldest
0: is uh gonna turn three next month.
1: That's your oldest is three? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. pathetic. I mean, that's only three years old. Okay. Now, okay. Now, when you look at your three-year-old, yeah. when your three-year-old drops a spoon, is that the same as when you drop the spoon? You're a far more advanced human being. At least I don't know you that well, but I'm assuming you're a little bit beyond the three-year-old. Okay. Yes. Okay. So when you drop the spoon, that is different than a three-year-old dropping a spoon. There are different reasons why you drop a spoon as opposed to the three-year-old dropping the spoon. When a pure devotee makes a mistake, it's infused with a different energy than when I make a mistake. Hmm. That's the point. So let's not mistake, pun intended, Let's not mistake what a mistake is when a mistake occurs with this person or that person. There are different levels of a so called mistake to take something in the wrong way. Okay. So that said, yes, uh, I have no problem taking the peripheral statements that Prabhupada makes, where he clearly at times is even experimenting. He's even trying things out, you know? I have no problem. But there are no mistakes in the essential teachings. That's the point. And that's what we go for. That's what we go to Prabhupada for, okay? If you really want to learn about cultures, then become an anthropologist, for heaven's sake, you know? An historical anthropologist and set the record straight about races and racism and so on. Once Prabhupada, uh, a, a god of mine, approached Prabhupada and said, I want to write a book on on uh, uh, bhakti uh, psychology. Prabhupada said, oh, he said, what are your qualifications? You see, he expected something like a PhD in psychology. If you're going to talk psychology, then be. Now, Prabhupada didn't have PhDs in all these areas that he spoke in. Yeah. He'll be yeah. the first one to tell you he's not an expert. Anthropologist, but then you see you get the other. You, it goes the other way. Um, uh, I, I get criticisms. Garuda, how can you, um, uh, you know, write things um, that um, are you know different than what your spiritual master has written, or or, or it it uh, adds on to what your spiritual master has done, and so on. Uh, you're an apparati, you know. You're a guru operati. Our whole tradition is based on the shuka beak, you know, Mm -hmm. the mango. Make it sweeter. Prabhupada's books may not be the sweetest things for everyone. I've had people, I've had second generation devotees tell me that they even found my books extremely helpful in their relationship with Prabhupada's books. Right. And that's true for other devotees who've written books. There's no shame in that. That's okay. That's okay. It's not only okay, I think it might be necessary. Mm. So there's no, you know, interpreting away. Um, There is just more and more illumination. It's kind of like this. You know, when there's something controversial, we shouldn't just run away from it or try to make like it's not there. It's like if you and I, Namrassa, so get into an argument right now, which, by the way, I would love to do. But anyway, <laughs> you may not be up for it. But but an argument may precipitate deeper understanding between us. Totally. I mean, in fact, Arjuna more or less argues with Krishna right. when he's pouring his heart out yeah. to Krishna. He even calls Krishna Madhusudana which is an epithet, meaning a slayer of the demon Madhu, implying you slay demons. You don't slay people you love, and you're asking me to do that. Right. How can you do oh, So much meaning in that epithet. Beautiful. How can you have me slay people I love and revere? You don't even do that. You're asking me to do something that you don't even do as the supreme. Now, what sense does that make? I think it's a damn good argument, by the way. Yeah, it is. is. That's right. (laughs) Wonderful. No, we're here to further, and, and just like a tree, do you plant a tree in your front yard, and then next year you come out and you scold the tree for growing? Who does that?
0: Hmm. Let's look at another question here. Uh, How do we make sense of some devotees who tend to be more liberal or conservative? In other words, can there be more than one valid interpretation about Srila Prabhupada's statements? Very good question.
1: Well, I hate liberals and I hate conservatives, honestly. I mean, I just, just, (laughs) um, they're just on the duality spectrum, you know. No, uh, kidding aside, um, there is room for dialogue. You know, what is more important than a conservative position or a liberal, so-called conservative position or so-called liberal position? These are terms that are often used in politics, but and and it's, I've heard them applied plenty of times in ISCON. But what's more important is not the position that you have. What's more important is the dialogue that you that you can sustain. It's the, it's the discussion. It's not being stubbornly holding to a liberal position. And mm. I don't want to... You know what? You're a conservative non No, I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to... I'm a liberal. And I, I'm, you know... So I'm not even liberal enough to engage in dialogue? Our whole tradition's based on dialogue. The whole Bhagavatam is a dialogue. The whole... Bhagavad Gita is a dialogue and we're not going to dialogue? Now, what's with that? Our tradition's all about dialogue. It's more important than having this or that position. Hmm. Right. The I mean, we can get a little Hegelian here. I know I said earlier, it's, it's better to be on a drug while you're reading uh, Hegel, but there's the Hegelian synthesis, thesis, antithesis and synthesis. Right. The synthesis comes about from dialogue. We are about dialogue. If we remain isolated from one another, we refuse to communicate with one another, to enter into dialogue. This is not bhakti. Then it doesn't matter what your position is. It doesn't matter. You're isolated. You're alone. That's not bhakti. Sankirtan. You're taking the 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 upasarga or uh, uh, prefix of sankirtan. You're lobbing off the sum. Well, you're having kirtan by yourself. Well, I I suppose you can do that. You can chant away and so on. That's fine. But really, we are meant to do it congregationally. We're meant to do it together. And contained in that concept is dialogue. Dharmyam samvadam sacred dialogue was the way sanjaya describes the dialogue between arjuna and krishna yeah magata prana bodhyanta parasparam because in our different understandings we will enlighten one another Bodhyanta parasparam Bodhyanta is a is a uh, is a uh, causative which which means i will cause you to be enlightened and you will cause me to be enlightened Parasparam.
2: Hmm.
1: that's our tradition so I don't know what that means to simply hold this position or this view and that view there is no such thing in bhakti there's dialogue or there's no dialogue there's dialogue and there's bhakti there's no dialogue then that's isolation moving away from bhakti great point wow
0: From uh, Hare Krishna, this is Prabhavati Dasi. Thank you so much for this podcast. I personally think that my relationship and understanding of Srila Prabhupada's words would have never been developed without the help or guidance of those who have had a close relationship with him. So yes, I think it is necessary for qualified devotees to help new generations to interpret and understand the path of devotion. Again, the the word interpret comes up, and I think uh, you explained it nicely that we shouldn't be shy or, or be afraid of that word. Uh, I, I mean, speaking personally, I, I was, I was very suspicious of that word, yeah, okay. like, you, like you mentioned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I,
0: mean, it's good. I understand, that.
1: but let me, but let me, uh, speak to that quickly. please. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Go. Um, yeah. you know, I've seen second generation devotees with some really profound understandings. So And I know that younger devotees may have a very great appreciation and reverence for devotees who, you know, were with Prabhupada and and experienced things with Prabhupada. Um, but, But use your own good sense. When any devotee affords you greater illumination on a difficult topic, then for that moment, you know, She or he is your teacher. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to, again, engage in um, sharing with one another. Never give that up. Never give up that sharing, that dialogue.
0: Right.
1: So it isn't, I mean, soon Prabhupada's disciples will all be gone. Does that mean, well, now there's no more guidance? No. There is guidance in devotees who are seasoned, who are practiced, who are reading deeply into Prabhupada's books, who have attained levels of sattvika, right? Satvika understanding of Prabhupada's statements. You'll know it because it'll either feel right or something won't feel quite right. So I have to keep pursuing it. Pay attention to that. Don't ignore that. Don't just accept authority, you know, statements on the basis of authority. Oh, Garuda. Prabhu is a Prabhupada disciple, so whatever he says is right. Well, just talk to my wife. She knows not every statement I make is right. I mean, come on, we just had a discussion this morning about how my statements were not right. So, I mean that you know, so you know, that's a good way to find. But seriously, in any devotee relationship, we can help correct one another. You know, uh, Premananda was on just earlier. I mean yeah. he he's he's offered corrections to me when I've been wrong on our discussion group um you know uh you know I don't tell him how dare you uh maybe I should but uh, <laughs> but, but I don't as yet
0: yeah Okay this is one last question uh yeah. here uh is it possible that our own our own of bodily conception is what finds some of Shilapropod's statements unpalatable
1: Okay good um bodily conception means conditioning. Okay. Um, it means, uh, the, the ways in which we have yet to attain transcendent levels of, of, uh, perception, understanding, uh, realization, etc. Now the simple response would be yes. Um, uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's about, uh, appreciating getting to the essence of what Prabhupada wants to give us. Um, it's not always articulated even in the way that we're used to uh, having things articulated. so we have to we have to um, not blame totally ourselves but again it's a matter of a relationship with Prabhupada's books that's how we have a relationship with prabhupada now through his vani and his books the, the books themselves are a form of vapu interestingly because they're physical they're they're here right so yes um, uh, but it's a dialogue so as you interact with prabhupada's vani prabhupada's vani will reveal itself to you and then you'll become more purified the vani will come to you in the ways that it miraculously should. Certain things you've you've read in the books, but you never realized what it said. And suddenly now you realize what it said. Wow, those are wonderful moments. So mm. look for those moments. Keep delving into Prabhupada's words and see what happens. See what happens. Marvelous things happen. Marvelous. Beautiful. Things happen. I mean And delving into Prabhupada's words late at night when the Chaitanya Charthamitas were coming out forced me to go and get become an overeducated idiot, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's amazing things can happen with Prabhupada's words. Yeah, amazing things.
0: Uh, There's one last comment I want to share here. Uh, I suspect that you won't cover. All the potential ground here in the time you have left, which is correct. Please, can you invite this Prabhu back soon to continue the discussion? Of course, <laughs> of course, of course, of I, course. I really, really want to talk. I wanted to talk so much about the book Changes. Yeah. Because that's that's a topic that I, because of you, I did a complete 180 on that topic uh, from hearing your interview with uh, His Holiness BV. BG Nshenga that right. you did and that was a fantastic interview for those who don't know of that interview please go look it up i can also put it in the comments um i i was not sure about that topic at all and then when i heard you speak on it it really made me think a lot and to kind of research a little bit about what you were saying and i and i'd love to bring you back for to talk about that if you're if you're willing to do
1: that i'm I, i'm willing if the if the price is right <laughs> Well, we had 150 people watching uh, this uh, at
0: one point, so there's um, there's there's a lot of hunger for for hearing about these kind of topics that devotees really don't talk about so yeah. often. But I, from the deep deep within my heart, I really am so grateful for for you to jo- uh, joining us here on on the podcast, and uh, and we're really excited to bring you back. And um, thank you so much. I mean, you you have some incredible wisdom to share with everyone, and I and I um, I'm actually I'm going to hear this again and try to glean some more from it you know it's it's hard to get it immediately from what you were saying but to pick apart what you were saying and to to actually listen again i'm i'm excited to do that thank you so Great. much
1: well thank you Non-Rasaji. it's been a sheer pleasure
0: thank you thank you so much and thank you to our listeners uh we will do this again i'm going to talk to Gurudev Prabhu right after this uh we'll schedule another session we'll talk about the book changes in in a really good way we'll discuss it you know oh, yeah. beyond all the all the you know uh, offensiveness and things let's just look at it for what it is sure. and uh we can we can discuss that so Gurudev Prabhu, please stay on um uh, do. i'm going to turn by the,
1: by lo- by the way namrasiji yeah. if if they do stay um and visit that talk i have many confessions to make okay okay the devotees love confessions right so <laughs> yes. i have confessions to make okay so right. that'll be fun
0: That'll be really fun. If you want to connect with Guru to Prabhu on Facebook, he he goes by Facebook, uh, Mm -hmm. by uh, Graham M. Schweig. You can can find him on Facebook that way. Uh, So so you can connect him with him there. Send him a message if you have any questions or or anything like that. But thank you, everyone, for listening. That's episode 45 of the Late Morning Program. And uh, we'd love to uh, please check out the other episodes. We have 40, almost 50 episodes now. Thank you very much, and uh, have a great rest of your day.